0: Welcome and thank you for tuning in to the 20 Vision Podcast, the show where we interview 20-somethings to see how they're navigating the defining decade. I'm your host, Colin McQuillan. I'm really grateful that you're all here for our second full-length episode. I greatly appreciate the support on the first episode. I'm glad you're back. For those who are tuning in for the first time, thank you for giving this a shot. But I'm really excited about our second guest we have Um, I'd call him a Swiss army knife, well-rounded, does a lot of things, (laughs) very uh, high performing in what he does. Um, Spent four years at Providence College as a student athlete, transitioned to Notre Dame for his master's, and is now involved in the world of crypto. I'm happy to welcome Kevin McCordick on to the 20 Vision Podcast. Kevin, thanks for being here, man. Yeah, thanks for having me, Colin. Honored you. You uh, offered me the opportunity. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, I gotta start off with a with a funny story and a memory. Um that I'm not sure if you'll remember, but um, you know, we, we grew up in Medfield together, kind of known each other our whole lives and um we're teammates in high school across and I was thinking before this uh episode what would be like a funny story that that I had of the two of us and all I could think of was was pregame against um over Sherburn our senior year I think I took a ball like right off the head from you that I just watched fly in and that was maybe one of the scariest moments of my life <laughs> I think summer before <laughs> you had you'd slung it like 116 or something like that and I think I uh I walked off the field and I was like yeah I'm just not taking warm ups anymore for the rest of the day but
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys are a different breed man lacrosse goalies like you gotta be some kind of crazy so
0: yeah. Yeah, for sure. Too funny. <laughs> thought that was a, a funny story that had just popped right into my head. Um, but Kev, give us a little bit of a background about you. You know, where are you from? I kind of spoiled a little bit with where you went to school, but um, you know, where are you from? What are you doing now? Um, you know, what was family life like growing up? Tell us a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'll give kind of my spark notes. Um, so yeah, I grew up in Medfield, like you said, uh, just straight through the public school system there. Um, mostly played lacrosse and soccer, and in school I was like pretty much strictly math and science. Um, and then ended up uh, studying physics, economics, and uh, had a minor in math at Providence. Um, and played lacrosse there for four years. Um, had a had a great time there. Wouldn't trade it for anything. And then. Just graduated from Notre Dame in a, uh, from a one-year master's program, um, mostly built around kind of the new, what new business looks like in the tech atmosphere. So, you know, old brick and mortar businesses, kind of the MBA way. Um, you know, there, there are different ways to scale stuff there. So getting a real look at what's different in tech uh, and what, you know, hopefully the next five or 10 years can look like there. So um, just graduated and now I work at... Um, a hedge fund in the cryptocurrency space. Um, I work specifically on the venture capital side. So i have been looking at startups every single day, um, sourcing deals there, vetting them and and kind of deciding where to invest our funds money from there. So yeah, it's kind of, it's 23 years in a brief overview.
0: <laughs> yeah. And, and Kev, I'd say that you've done um, a lot more than a lot of 23 year olds at this point, done a lot of different things. Um, you know, I think, uh, you know, we played lacrosse, like I said, together, and obviously, I did my four years of college, we definitely differ in uh, the interest of math and science, I was probably on the other end of that. But um, we'll kind of touch on those things in a little bit. We'll start at kind of halfway through your college experience. First, I want to get into this segment, the hard hitting questions, something to lighten it up right off the bat. Um, We'll kind of go rapid fire. But uh, we'll start here yeah. first one let's do it most most overrated drink when you go to the bar what do you think um
1: overrated drink i would say you know off the top of my head just the cranberry vodka uh i'm in the not same to be boat. sexist about it but. Yeah. <laughs> just seems like that's everyone's go-to and i feel like there's a lot of different options there that that you can explore so cranberry vodka defaulted to you know maybe four out of ten
0: yeah there we go okay we even got the score too perfect um album you can listen to every day not get tired Ooh. of
1: that that is a great question um probably depends on the season sure um I'm a big uh, edm guy love techno music but for albums probably mostly rap um, recently i've been into a joey badass's Album 1995. I think he was like 15 or 16 when he wrote that. Here in kind of his like, he was like a prodigy growing up. Um, and then also Acid Rap by Chances is a classic, could listen to that all day, every day. It's For too sure. bad, he he went from like a 10 out of 10 uh potential. And he's, I don't know, I think he's dropped off now, but
0: yeah, kind of a bummer where he's at at this point because I'm, I'm yeah. with you on the. On that I'll have to check out Joey badass uh, a little bit more I haven't given him too much of a listen Um, finally favorite favorite app on your phone what's the what's the go-to app maybe it's not social media maybe it is but what app do you think everyone needs to have Uh,
1: so I recently got on the whoop train, so which is like it's pretty much like it's like a Fitbit but it does a lot with your sleep analysis Um, and that's something I got interested in recently so I check my Whoop. I don't. I probably don't even check it every day, but I think I get a lot of insight there. And then probably the one I use the most, though, Twitter. Um, I think it's like uh, you just get a lot of funny stuff on Twitter, and that's kind of a part of my job right now is is running an account there, so I'm on there all the time. But yeah, those two probably my my most valued apps
0: for sure. And we'll we'll touch on that a little bit later too. But Kev, thanks for playing along with that. Um, appreciate it. Uh, I want to start in in college. So we had both said it, four years at Providence, you were a student athlete there playing lacrosse. Um, You wrote a book, Wired Shut, which I think is pretty crazy at at that age. Can you talk about the circumstance behind writing that book? Um, Why you decided to write it and a little bit about it um, and what it entails?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, So just to be clear, I never intended uh, to write a book. Like, that wasn't really a bucket list thing. I never saw myself doing that. Um, but, yeah, some of the context. So, senior year of college, uh, we just played our first game against Boston University. Um, next practice went out, and my friend Troy Higgins actually hit me with a shot. And, like, I turned my head at a very, you know, not a great time to turn your head and my helmet slipped up and uh, the lacrosse ball hit me square on the jaw um, and ended up breaking my, breaking my jaw in two spots. Um, And I guess the only way that you kind of mend a broken jaw is that you end up getting your mouth wired shut for six weeks. So, um, pretty much you can't open your jaw at all, right? Like you have wires uh, weaving between your teeth and then wires that hold them vertically. Jeez. So, uh, you can't talk, you can't eat anything, you know, it was all liquid diet, pretty much like protein shakes for, for six weeks. Um, I lost, you know, about 20 pounds during that, that wow. process, but by far the hardest part was not being able to talk, um, that I kind of underestimated that component. And then by the end that definitely started to eat at me a little bit more, um, but so if, so if you're out for more than a month, uh, then they have you talk to a sports psychologist, uh, at school to talk about like what it's going to look like when you're coming back, you know, maybe you've dropped in the, in the depth chart by then. So just kind of getting your mental, uh, your mental straight before you really go back out. I'm on the field and start competing again. So they set me up and I went to meet with this woman and you're supposed to talk about coming back. And of course I showed up and my mouth is wired shut. So, so I couldn't talk.
0: <laughs> Not much talking <laughs> going on there. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, kind of sat there and I like pointed it and like, I could kind of hum. I was like, I, I don't know, like, I'm sorry. Um, and she's like, well, you know, we'd like to look for an outlet anyways, you know, maybe writing could be, could be a good thing. Um, and I was always like, writing was always my worst thing. Like I had classes with essays, always avoided them like the plague. Um, but at this point, like I hadn't talked in probably two weeks and it it seemed like not a bad, bad way to spend some time. Um, so sat down, wrote something for her, um, and brought it in and she read it and she's like, like this is, you know, awesome. I loved reading this. Um, I think it's something that, you know, if you like it, we can continue moving forward with it. Um so that that was almost like a little breath of relief. Uh, it was probably, it was more of an, uh, introspective piece that I had written. Um, and it was cool to just hear someone say that, like they were supportive of it. So that kind of gave me a little motivation, um, wrote a few more. Um, and she was really supportive. She's like, this is great. You know, uh, if you're comfortable with it, I think other people might be able to benefit from something like this, you know, if you ever wanted to go public with it, um, and I, th- I thought that maybe it was a good idea, right? Like talking about kind of the mental health aspects of sports specifically, but just college in general and, and how to balance your life um, was something that hit home with me. And so I figured, you know, might as well put something out there and um, posted the piece on my Instagram and got, you know, an overwhelming amount of, of positive feedback and support from, you know, friends, people I hadn't even talked to in a long time. So that kind of lit the fire under me. I'm like this, you know, I can't talk to anyone. At least I can communicate through this. Um, So started writing more on that front. You know, I wasn't practicing. So I had a lot of time relative to what I was used to. Um, And, you know, ended up writing, I probably had about like a hundred pages of work by the time that um, I had the surgery to get it off. So six weeks after the injury um, had like I said, you know, it was the day I was getting my, it was a surgery, get the, get the wires clipped off. And it was a Thursday and we had a game that Saturday and, and coach had told me that day, he's like, you know, I don't care where you're at. Like you're playing, like, even if, even if you (laughs) you haven't been, yeah, even if you haven't been running or anything, like this is some, I think, you know, the guys will rally behind it, seeing you back. So, you know, so fired up for that. Um, Was out at practice that day, waiting, had the you know, operation about an hour, and then our coach got the call that you know uh, COVID had gotten too big, and they were canceling all, um, all NCAA sports for the rest of the year. Um, so that that was really tough timing. You know, like an hour before I was supposed to come back, uh, you kind of find out. You know, one, the season's ripped away, so I was crushed with those guys, and then two, you know, senior spring taken also. And this is before, like, we didn't we didn't have really any perspective on COVID, so hard to understand time. Um, but then, you know, that meant I was home for, for eight weeks straight after all that, you know, all things said and done. And I already had a hundred pages sitting there. And I was like, well, I'm going to be so bored, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Online school, not really, um, not really that time consuming, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, so just decided to go through with it. You know, I was like, um, if anything, then at least I got something out of, you know, made a positive out of a negative in this case. So, uh, went through with it. There's, you know, not, not too hard to kind of go through a self-publishing, um, on Amazon. So yeah, did it, uh, finished it right about when we were going back to school
0: too. So the timing worked out well. Um, and yeah, that's, that's kind of the story there. Yeah, that's awesome, man. And obviously the, the circumstance isn't ideal, but, um, I guess one of my questions was like, did you use this as the, um, a tool to kind of get through that time, and it sounds like that was the case um writing this book, but I think you know you talked about it it's a lot about balance and and how to be um efficient i guess with your time and and how you can you know <laughs> sort of do a lot with less um effort i guess in certain areas if that's if that's right, maybe mm-hmm. that's not the right word but I think a lot of people our age and in their twenties, like have a lack of balance, like whether it's, they want to be successful in something, but they feel like, oh man, but my friends are just going out and I want to go out with them. Um, You know, whatever I can, I can skip, you know, this class or work or anything, or it's vice versa. They're all they do is like go out (laughs) and they're like, I want to be good at something. Um, I want to like, put my time into something that means a lot to me and like one of my pursuits. What are some tips you have for people our age on that balance? Um, especially like, I think it'll be great for people to hear based off like the multitude of things you've done. So like, what are, what are a couple of things that you think are are key to that balance?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I, I would say that that's kind of the whole uh, premise behind the book, right? Like it's split into four sections um, and, and how to maintain balance in your college life. So it's pretty much like, um, school, your academics obviously come first, you know, there's a health component to it. I'm mm-hmm. um, a social component. And then also hitting on what you were just talking about, like making something like finding a hobby or something that actually interests you as well on the side. So I thought that those were kind of the four main components of school. Um, and that like my, my college experience was, um, you could probably say I, I got a minor in time management by accident. Yeah. <laughs> um, there are, like the, I didn't realize going in, but having two majors and then, you know, 20 hours a week from, from lacrosse um, kind of forces you to, to find those efficiencies and find gaps. So you can, you know, still perform well in school, perform well in the field, um, and get to hang out with your buddies, right? Like if, if you're doing college and, and you don't hit all three of those key places, um, then I think you're out of balance. So making sure you have time for all those um, really really the main part and something I think is is super uh, core to having a good college experience. Um, I, I would and the question was tips, right? like kind of what are some of the the quicker like one hitters?
0: Yeah, so like um, things where people can get I guess like a, a starting point. For people our age who, you know, maybe the time management is completely off or maybe they're like, they're close to getting it. Like where are some places that they can, they can start? Absolutely. Um, so I would say
1: the biggest thing that you can nail that's, it's simple, but it's not easy if that makes sense, Mm -hmm. um, is getting your sleep schedule right. So that was something in high school, I'd stay up till like midnight or one, get up at like 630. I'd be tired. Didn't even drink coffee then. Uh, it's not a good way to, to do it. So um, getting up or so what it looked like for me was getting up probably about, you know, two hours earlier than I was used to. So like I'd, I would get 830 or I would um, sign up for 830 classes on purpose and then I would get up at six. So I found that kind of those two hours before class when no one else was up, so you have no natural distractions, uh, you can work super efficiently. So I could get, you know, in two hours, I could get done what would probably take about four hours if I were to do it in the library with my buddies later on. Um, that also means kind of giving up two hours on the other end. So going to bed two hours earlier. Sure. Uh, that's, that's kind of where you can fall the social pressure, like the guys want to stay up and watch a movie. Um, that's something you just got to be committed to and say, you know, uh, you just, you can't have time for it all the time. Right. Mm-hmm. So going to bed two hours earlier, getting up two hours, two hours earlier, uh, that's definitely a big one. Um, I would also say an hour of, uh, physical activity every single day. Um, it keeps your body in a, obviously it's physically healthy. I think mentally also it's super crucial. Sure. Um helps you concentrate later on um, and also just kind of adds like some structure to your day. You know, if you go at the same time every day. Um, but I mean, that that's kind of general advice, right? Like your doctor could tell you that, you know, go <laughs> yeah. to bed early, go to the gym each day.
0: I think we um, don't think about it though. You know, it's yeah. like, everyone's Absolutely. like, let me just shove as much into the day as possible, or I've got all this stuff going on. I'm going to skip the, you know, my workout or I'm going to skip sleep. So I, I, mm-hmm. I think that's, you know, a great place to start.
1: Yeah, outside of the old man wisdom of it, um, besides that you should actually do it, uh, I'd say some of the more counterintuitive things I found in college um, was one, looking at your time value, uh, like time into GPA weight, if that makes sense. So Mm -hmm. for example, right, like I I took a math class where 80% of our total grade was based on tests 10% was attendance, 10% was homework. Um, But, you know, throughout the year, you probably spend four hours studying for a test. You might spend 50 or 60 hours doing your homework, you know, maybe even more than that. So there was a huge, um, the proportions were very off in terms of where you could spend your time versus where you could get a higher grade. So, you know, trying to manage like, Twenty plus credits in a semester. Um, the first thing that I found that I could cut out, which doesn't feel natural, right? Like all of your teachers always tell you, do all your homework, yeah, you know, X Y Z. So you kind of got to be willing to take a slap on the wrist for that every once in a while. Um, but instead of you know kind of doing the busy work to get some small points there, uh, spending a lot of time just studying for the test, or say you know essays is a big part, um, and attendance doesn't factor in at all. You know, skipping a class there and spending a lot more time on your essay. Uh, can actually make sense, so you end up putting in you know i'd say on average I could put in like half the amount of time that the normal student would take for a class um, and still end up with the same gpa
0: mm-hmm. so
1: that's that's something your doctor, your teacher professor probably won't say to do. <laughs> yeah. um, but I think it was super useful, right? Like I probably would have floundered and failed at something if I didn't find that extra time somewhere. so put your time where it matters on the rubric um, and don't don't fall uh, fall into the trap of just doing whatever, you know, everyone else is doing. Like dissect, um, dissect the syllabus, find out what matters and then concentrate your effort there. Um, and that's kind of the best way to get get to your result.
0: Definitely. And I think like what you're saying too is so applicable to, you know, post-college. I know you're a big 80-20 principal guy um, mm-hmm. and, and that's, I'm sure, where a lot of this kind of came from. Um, but, you know, it's like, okay, do I want to, like, simply put, like, outside of college, you know, your day-to-day, okay, do I want to go for a walk that's, you know, 20 minutes long and I might not burn as many calories and break that sweater? or do I want to, like, go on the Stairmaster or go for a run <laughs> or whatever and kind of ramp it up, you know, it's like, where's my energy being spent in that, you know, period of time, like you said, and, like, what's the discrepancy between, a positive outcome in the amount of time that I put into it. Like I didn't even think about it like that. You know, when you mention you do like 50 or 60 hours of homework, but you study four hours for a test, that's like 80% of the greatest. Mm-hmm. Like no one's thinking of that as, um, you know, the, the way to go about things like, okay, I should just take that slap on the wrist and, and kind of focus on, you know, the, uh, the greater outcome,
1: I guess. Yeah. But. yeah, I'd say the if there's one thing to understand for for school there that you just hit on the 80 20 principle, um, simply it's that twenty um, percent of the things that you do yield 80% of the results and vice versa, the other 80% of the time you spend on things gives you 20% of the results. So try to find those high leveraged areas where you get a lot of result for minimal effort and then exploit them that's that's really the the main key
0: there. A hundred percent. And Kevin, I guess shifting forward a little bit more, so you do your four years at Providence, um, you go to Notre Dame for your masters. Were you able, and I guess we can even extend it to, to right now, um, you know, in the adult world, <laughs> if you will. Um, you know, did you maybe first touch on Notre Dame a little bit, what doing your masters there was like? Um, Cause I know a lot of people who are, who will probably listen to this are thinking about doing their masters or are in it right now. And then, you know, have you carried those principles that you kind of talked about in your book um, and that you did in, you know, your undergrad till, till now, like, are you still operating using those as kind of like keys to your day? Uh, yeah. Yeah. 100%. You know, those, those
1: are kind of my, those are still my foundational kind of guiding principles. Um, so those stick with me. And then, you know, the circumstances may change a bit. But yeah, for Notre Dame, um, the decision. So it it was a tech entrepreneurship program. So I'd always been interested in entrepreneurship, you know, starting a company. um, Having equity in yourself was really big for for what I wanted to do. Um, But it was hard to find time to really focus on that during school with all the other pressures. So I figured just taking one year and really trying to hone that um, and see what came of it would be um good down the line pretty much. So um and I think it completely went true. I would recommend, you know, doing a mask. It also it was very circumstantial, right? Because COVID came. So mm-hmm. the job market got um really kind of out of whack. And I knew that, you know, going to school for one year, there was kind of less opportunity cost to taking a year um and furthering education. But yeah, my experience, you know, studying something that you really like uh, was huge. So I I went and found a bunch of other kids who had very similar mindsets. And I would say I probably learned more from them and from the network that came from that than, than the classes. Um, I think that that's definitely the biggest thing to come out of grad school is the people you meet learning how they think about similar problems um, because they're interested in the same stuff as you. So getting other perspectives is huge there. And then uh, a quick Quick 80-20 as well for the second (laughs) semester. Um, And this will probably tie into talking more about the professional life. But uh, we had 10 weeks off for COVID um, for winter break because they didn't want, they took away spring break, gave us winter break, so that kids weren't going back and forth and and bringing the disease around. Um, But so I ended up getting a really cool internship with uh, CMS Holdings, which is where I work now. But they were a cryptocurrency hedge fund. Um, Really just wanted to learn about the space. You know, I had been involved uh, since early 2017. Um, I had founded the blockchain club at Providence. Um, It's just tech that I was really interested in. I think I can solve a lot of uh, bigger problems in the world right now. Um, So got to work with them. And then I stayed on part-time through the semester. So I kind of did the same 80-20 analysis of (laughs) time spent on CMS versus time spent in my class at Notre Dame. And I was like the uh, kind of the expected value of spending all this time at CMS, you know, especially if I'm working after school is so much higher than, you know, going to learn about um, like scaling with no marginal cost or something like that. Yeah. So... (laughs) So that uh I ended up spending probably like 80, 90% of my time um working for CMS and and didn't really spend as much time on school for the second semester. Um, but I think it really helped me get the job and and I think that was probably the right decision looking back. So but yeah, you wouldn't think, right? Like not spend as much time on your classes, like not doing the extra stuff, you know, the job you everything. want. Like. That,
0: that that's
1: that's that's the advice you normally get from parents or professors. They're like, yeah, spend a little extra time on school. Um yeah, that that's kind of the 80-20 for, for the grad school, I'd say.
0: Yeah. And I, I think that's funny, Kevin, because um, at least for me in, in undergrad, like I I just went right to the corporate world like right after school. Like I found a lot of my time and the interest that um, the company I work for now. Had in me was from my extracurriculars and like not my class. So I think at the time, you know, unaware of the 80 20 principle, I was probably doing it. (laughs) Um, Uh Absolutely. Plenty of people, like you said, you know, parents aren't always so happy about that, but it works out in the end. Um, It's real, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But um, we'll transition kind of away from that. And you just talked about it a bit um, the professional world. Um, we can wrap up on this. So talk a little bit about what you do. I know you mentioned Twitter as um, one of your favorite social medias <laughs> to be on. I know I, I follow your uh, CMS intern account <laughs> on Twitter where you've, you've racked up a pretty good following. Um, Want to talk a little bit about that and then maybe we can talk about, you know, where people our age can, can start in crypto because I think it's such a fascinating um, world and it's still so new. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, everyone can jump on Coinbase or, you know, Kraken or whatever wallet they have, um, and throw some money in, but, you know, let's maybe start with what you're doing and then where people can, can get started.
1: Yeah. So, so yeah, the, the CMS intern Twitter account that, um, that you had brought up. I almost, so our, our boss runs a Twitter account, CMS Holdings, um, and a lot of kind of the crypto community and where a lot of news breaks is on Twitter. So that's, Mm -hmm. you know, each company has its own place where they get their news from just for all crypto companies. It just happens to be Twitter. Um, so he runs CMS Holdings and I had started a CMS intern account kind of as a joke before I I left, Mm -hmm. um, hoping to just supplement his presence there. And, you know, the, the bosses loved it. Like the guys in the company loved it. I would just kind of make jokes um, and post memes there. And it was, it was like a funny way to kind of keep my foot in the door going back to school. Yeah. Um, But I'd also say looking back on it, right? Like, um, so I'm, I'm 23 and then the next youngest person at the company is 28 and it's probably 28 to age like 37 or so. So I'm a lot younger. These guys are, they're, they're super smart guys that I'm working under. So my value add to the company, um, wasn't going to be as much on like, make it on like how to make trades or say like knowing the most about the technical aspects behind certain projects. Um, but something they didn't grow up with that, that we did, which turned out to be important in crypto is social media. So, um, I found that I could distinguish myself there. and yeah, it worked out. So yeah, I still still run it. Uh, it's good fun, and it and it brings in new deals for us. So it turned out to actually be valuable for CMS in the long run, which you know I'm hoping continues. Um, and then the, what what was the other aspect to
0: kind of what the actual job looks like? Yeah, yeah, you right. can talk a little bit more about um what the actual job looks like, and then like I guess your advice to anyone our age who's like looking to get into the crypto world too, get in into space. Yeah. Whether it's just like investing, like I know I was riding the polygon wave myself for a little while uh, nice. <laughs> and then suffered some losses. So I'm, I'm holding back right now, but uh, you know, like where can, where a little bit more about, you know, what your day to day is like. Cause I think, um, you know, you say you're you're posting jokes and memes and that's like probably the dream job for a lot of people, but <laughs> I know there's a lot more that you do during your day. Um, if you want to touch on that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so the, the day-to-day um, pretty, so my, the actual job that I'm responsible for is uh, sourcing startups in the cryptocurrency industry and um, vetting them. So, you know, setting up a pitch um, where the startup can come in and pitch me and my team and uh, from there, you know, we'll have some back and forth with them and decide if it's, you know, where the investment, if we want to allocate some capital there. So, my day to day is mostly sitting on calls with founders, um, and and hearing the entrepreneurial story behind this, and and seeing if the vision lines up with kind of how we invest. Um, so yeah, day to day mostly calls, and then kind of talking in our in our company Slack. Like these guys are pretty funny. They've all worked kind of in trading jobs before, so there's probably like a hundred plus messages per hour just flying in this thing. Yeah, um, but. Yeah, and how to get involved, um, something I've found for crypto specifically is that going in and researching stuff and then deciding if you want to invest or not doesn't actually work that well, right? And, but you would think it would. Like, yeah. You would think, you know, go and research your investment. investment. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's kind of what everyone's been told for so long. Um, what I've found is that buying in without knowing a lot, so like just buying some Bitcoin, And then once you own it, you have skin in the game and you're like, wow, like my money, my actual net worth relies on how this does. (laughs) And you get like a little extra motivation to really understand, you know, what is this thing? Um, So I, I'd say just buying Bitcoin and then kind of understanding, you know, what a blockchain is, what proof of work is, is like, that's probably the best way to learn about it. And then. I've also found that once people start learning a little bit, they get a taste and then they realize kind of um, what this tech is. That's when you dive down the rabbit hole and you're like, well, what else can you do with it? Right. And then you learn about like Ethereum. You're like what they're building a new internet. You know Um, a lot of, a lot of kids I think right now um, everyone uses like Instagram and Twitter and social media stuff, but everyone is kind of uncomfortable with the fact that there's a trillion dollar corporation behind it. Who gets all your data and decides what you see? Like, that's kind of in the subconscious of everyone behind that, like TikTok mm. specifically, right? Yeah. Like they're at, it's, a, it's just very, it's a very manipulating way to do it. Um, and then you kind of peek behind the curtain of crypto and you're like, wow, these guys are, you know, there are projects out there that are solving this problem. You know, you can have the same applications without a company behind it and without anyone trying to manipulate you. Um, and I really think that that's going to be big for us moving forward um so i would say yeah buy in first and then learn (laughs) second which not financial advice of course yeah but (laughs) good disclaimer good disclaimer yeah yeah that is not financial advice at all um but i think that that's probably the best way to go about it and then if you're really interested then you end up you want to work in the space um you got to kind of figure out what the, what the right way to do it is. So there's a few different avenues, you know, if you're a computer science guy and you really like the tech and you want to build, you know, there is a million projects right now trying to build in the crypto space. Like all, a lot of the really smart computer science kids coming out, see this as a great opportunity. So they're all trying to build something. So, you know, I would say get on Twitter and just reach out to companies that that you think are cool. Um, And everyone is really open and accepting um, to new people trying to come into the industry. Uh, if you're not a computer science guy, which I'm definitely not. Um, and I think, you know, most people (laughs) say, yeah, most, that's something where everyone's like, yeah, I probably should, but that's just too big of a hurdle. Yeah. (laughs) Um, there, there's a lot of really cool jobs, um, involved around just kind of bringing crypto to the masses. Like I know, um, Fidelity has a really cool digital assets, a branch right now and pretty much you just need to know about crypto and be able to explain it to you know like boomers who have a bunch of money that want exposure <laughs> yeah. but, but they don't know what it is and they don't know how they don't know how so um, just learn a little bit uh, find out what companies are working in this space and then either reach out on twitter um, which seems ridiculous but that really is kind of how everyone in the in the community um, gets together and discusses stuff so
0: that would be my advice awesome yeah and i think everything um like kind of on that note of like oh like reaching out on twitter it's like all oh, this is so new and kind of untraditional and it's like you're gonna have to go about you know getting involved in kind of an untraditional way too so mm-hmm. yeah um, i i would also i I left out
1: so how i actually got in um probably also uh useful if you're trying to get involved there yeah. um the uh there's something called on meetup.com. I think uh, you can find events for pretty much like anything that you're interested in. Um, And there's something called like the Boston blockchain association. So, and like every city has this, so they'll just have events where they will have a speaker come in and you can meet people there. Um, And I ended up meeting one person there and like, I would just ping him for all the crypto stuff. And then he actually got me the spot at CMS. So finding one person that you actually meet in person um, and networking through them is is definitely a great way to go about it as well.
0: Definitely, oftentimes it's the uh, the weaker connections, if you will, that kind of like hook it up with that stuff. You know, it might not be 100%. your best friend or your family member, but um, definitely good to put your yourself out there. And um, Kev, this is a great discussion. I think we we covered a lot. Um, I was glad that we could wrap it up too with a little little bit of crypto talk. Last question. Um, before we kind of close out, um, obviously we're targeting like people in, in their twenties for this show. What's, what's the best piece of advice or something you've learned in your twenties that, that you would pass on to other 20 somethings?
1: Yeah. Um, I would say my best piece of advice would be to understand the Matthew effect, um, Pretty much like the oversimplified version is just that an early advantage compounds, you know, for the rest of your life sometimes. So the application of the Matthew effect is pretty much that like, like what you do now will have an outsized, um, an outsized impact on kind of where your life goes later and opportunities that you'll get later. So I mean, I would just, I would just Google it, understand that it, it pretty much talks about like all the time that you spend is almost, almost acts like an investment. So like any workout or anything you're doing to get in shape right now is going to have positive compounding effects for the rest of your life. You know, so doing it now is much more valuable to you than doing it like 10 years from now. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that procrastination was something that I struggled a lot with as a kid. Um, and this, like the math, I learned about the math effect and that kind of like broke down the barrier for me. And I was like, like, I, I didn't struggle with procrastination after that. Like that kind of became my motivation. I was like, I can just kind of front load my work now, um, spend a lot of time to set myself up and then, um, you can kind of coast and, and you'll get opportunities that others might not. So, you know, stuff that comes out of the math effect, you know, reading some books, you know, doing stuff like. Like you, man, you know, I saw when you did the 75 days hard challenge yeah, yeah. that I was so jacked up to see how you did and your results there. It's like, like doing stuff like that, you know, really grinding and putting in the time um, now is going to have huge effects for, for where you're at uh, later in life and, and helping you achieve your goals, whatever they may be. So yeah, Go- Google the Matthew effect, understand, understand the power of compound interest in uh, in just your daily life. And, and I think that that's probably, you know, I don't know, it's, it's a good thing to look into. So, but I Uh think you've nailed it. I think with this podcast and what you're doing right now, I think you're all over it. Like, even if you don't know it by name, you
0: kind of live it. You kind of live the math effect in your life. So I think it's awesome. Yeah, no. And I think that's great advice, Kevin. Um, like, I'm glad you brought procrastination up because that like, we have so many distractions. Um, you know, not even just for our age, just in the world in general right now, there's so much going on that can kind of, you know, knock you off your course. And And I think that's um, just great advice. So the Matthew effect, I'm, I'm sure I'll be doing a little bit of uh, research <laughs> on it myself after this, but Kev, absolute pleasure having you on. I really appreciate it. Um, if you want to plug, you know, where can people find you on social media, whether it's your personal or cms intern or, or both if you want to plug that quick
1: yeah um i mean my personal i'm just kevin mccordick on everything uh for crypto related stuff yeah at cms intern on twitter um, my profile picture is a penguin so <laughs> <laughs> easily easily um, spotted
0: <laughs>
1: Once, uh, e- easy to
0: find yeah so
1: but, awesome. uh, yeah no really really appreciate you having me on colin this was awesome
0: Yeah. Great time. And uh, you guys can also find the podcast on Instagram at 20 vision pod. Would love if you gave it a follow to keep up to date with the newest releases. And uh, yeah, guys, thanks again so much for, for listening in another great podcast. And I look forward to bringing you another episode next week.